0: Well, hello there and welcome to Bible in a Year with Bill. Today is July 13th. We're on day 194 of our journey through the Word. Thanks for joining me. You are joining me here in my makeshift cubby basement studio hole. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'll call it from now on, my makeshift cubby basement studio hole. All right. Anyway, Let's get right into Isaiah chapters 15, 16, 17, and 18, and then we're going to finish off with Hebrews chapter 10. All right, so here we go. Isaiah chapter 15. This message came to me concerning Moab. In one night, the town of Ar will be leveled and the city of Kir will be destroyed. Your people will go to their temple in Debon to mourn. They will go to their sacred shrines to weep. They will wail for the fate of Nebo and Mediba, shaving their heads in sorrow and cutting off their beards. They will wear burlap as they wander in the streets. From every home and public square will come the sound of wailing. The people of Heshbon and Elielah will cry out. Their voices will be heard as far away as Jahaz. The bravest warriors of Moab will cry out in utter terror. They will be helpless, helpless with fear. My heart weeps for Moab. Its people flee to Zoar and elglath Shalishia. Weeping, they climb the road to Luhith. Their cries of distress can be heard all along the road to Horonaim. Even the waters of Nimrim are dried up. The grassy banks are scorched. The tender plants are gone. Nothing green remains. The people grab their possessions and carry them across the ravine of willows. A cry of distress echoes through the land of Moab, from one end to the other, from Eglam to Beer elim The stream near Debon runs red with blood, but I am still not finished with Debon. Lions will hunt down the survivors, both those who try to escape and those who remain behind. Isaiah chapter 16 Send lambs from Sila as tribute to the ruler of the land. Send them through the desert to the mountain of beautiful Zion. The women of Moab are left like homeless birds at the shallow crossings of the Arnon River. Help us, they cry. Defend us against our enemies. Protect us from their relentless attack. Do not betray us now that we have escaped. Let our refugees stay among you. Hide them from our enemies until the terror is past when oppression and destruction have ended and enemy raiders have disappeared then god will establish one of david's descendants as king he will rule with mercy and truth he will always do what is right and be eager to do what is right We have heard about proud Moab, about its pride and arrogance and rage. But all that boasting has disappeared. The entire land of Moab weeps. Yes, everyone in Moab mourns for the cakes of raisins from Kir Haraseth. They are all gone now. The farms of Heshbon are abandoned. The vineyards at Sibma are deserted. The rulers of the nations have broken down Moab, that beautiful grapevine." Its tendrils spread north as far as the town of Jazir and trailed eastward into the wilderness. Its shoots reached so far west that they crossed over the Dead Sea. So now I weep for Jazir and the vineyards of Sibma. My tears will flow for Heshbon and Eliala. There are no more shouts of joy. Over your summer fruits and harvest gone now is the gladness, gone the joy of harvest. There will be no singing in the vineyards, no more happy shouts, no treading of grapes in the wine presses. I have ended all their harvest joys. My heart's cry for Moab is like a lament on a harp. I am filled with anguish for Kir Harasheth. The people of Moab will worship at their pagan shrines, but it will do them no good. They will cry to the gods in their temples, but no one will be able to save them. The Lord has already said these things about Moab in the past, but now the Lord says, within three years, counting each day, the glory of Moab will be ended. From its great population, only a feeble few will be left alive. Isaiah chapter 17. This message came to me concerning Damascus. Look, the city of Damascus will disappear. It will become a heap of ruins. The towns of Aror will be deserted. Flocks will graze in the streets and lie down undisturbed, with no one to chase them away. The fortified towns of Israel will also be destroyed, and the royal power of Damascus will end. All that remains of Syria will share the fate of Israel's departed glory, declares the Lord of heaven's armies. In that day Israel's glory will grow dim. Its robust body will waste away. The whole land will look like a grain field after the harvesters have gathered the grain. It will be desolate, like the fields in the valley of Rephaim after the harvest. Only a few of its people will be left, like stray olives left on a tree after the harvest. Only two or three remain in the highest branches. Four or five scattered here and there on the limbs, declares the Lord, the God of Israel. Then at last, the people will look to their creator and turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. They will no longer look to their idols for help or worship what their own hands have made. They will never again bow down to their Asherah poles or worship at the pagan shrines they have built. Their largest cities will be like a deserted, a deserted forest, like the land the Hivites and Amorites abandoned when the Israelites came here so long ago. It will be utterly desolate. Why? Because you have turned from the God who can save you. You have forgotten the rock who can hide you. So you may plant the finest grapevines and import the most expensive seedlings. They may sprout on the day you set them out. Yes, they may blossom on the very morning you plant them but you will never pick any grapes from them. Your only harvest will be a load of grief and unrelieved pain. Listen, the armies of many nations roar like the roaring of the sea. Hear the thunder of the mighty forces as they rush forward like thundering waves. But though they thunder like breakers on a beach, God will silence them and they will run away. They will flee like chaff scattered by the wind, like a tumbleweed whirling before a storm. In the evening Israel waits in terror, but by dawn its enemies are dead. This is the just reward of those who plunder us, a fitting end for those who destroy us. Isaiah chapter 18 Listen, Ethiopia, land of fluttering sails that lies at the headwaters of the Nile, that sends ambassadors in swift boats down the river go swift messengers take a message to a tall smooth-skinned people who are feared far and wide for their conquests and destruction and whose land is divided by rivers all you people of the world everyone who lives on the earth when i raise my battle flag on the mountain look when i blow the ram's horn listen For the Lord has told me this, I will watch quietly from my dwelling place as quietly as the heat rises on a summer day or as the morning dew forms during the harvest. Even before you begin your attack, while your plans are ripening like grapes, the Lord will cut off your new growth with pruning shears. He will snip off and discard your spreading branches. Your mighty arm will be left dead in the fields for the mountain vultures and wild animals. The vultures will tear at the corpses all summer. The wild animals will gnaw at the bones all winter. At that time, the Lord of heaven's armies will receive gifts from this land divided by rivers, from this tall, smooth-skinned people who are feared far and wide for their conquests and destruction. They will bring the gifts to Jerusalem, where the Lord of heaven's armies dwells. Hebrews chapter 10 The old system, under the law of Moses, was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshippers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the Scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the Old Covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our High Priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so, for he says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said, the Lord will judge his own people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised. For in just a little while... The coming one will come and not delay, and my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word today. Thank you for your word. Let's spend a minute and go back to being a teenager again. You just got caught. There's a knot in your stomach. Your mom found out that you lied to her about where you were last night. Will you lie again, or will you confess? What if you could see how worried sick your mom was last night? Would it change your decision about whether or not to lie? Those of us who are parents can definitely relate, and even today, I feel a stirring of guilt for that one time that comes to my memory. <laughs> Sin doesn't just affect us, it affects everyone around us. If we could see the way our sin hurts those who love us, we might pause before making the same decision again. The same is true of our relationship with God. When we think about God as our Father who loves us, it changes our view of sinning against Him. As Christians, we are held to a higher standard because we know the truth of God's Word. Hebrews 10 verse 26 says if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins when we sin we insult the Holy Spirit in order to experience relationship with him God paid a high price the life of his only son every time we don't give in to temptation we are honoring that sacrifice We might not be able to escape temptation, but we can overcome it. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, he shows us how to make better decisions in the face of temptation. Thanks for joining me here today on Bible in a Year with Bill. I'm here every day doing the same thing, the same time, same place. Well, some days I'm not in the cubby, some days I'm in my work truck, other days I might be sitting beside a river, uh, but... At any rate, (laughs) this is something I do every day, and I'm here. Hope to see you tomorrow. Take care now.